Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It is your boy, Crypto Bobby, joined by my uh, partner in crime here at Proof of Talent. Colton, what's up, brother? What's going on, Rob? Uh, I mean, to kick things off, you had a you had an awful take that Tiger King wasn't good. And for anybody sitting at home <laughs> right now in quarantine or just not going out, you're by yourself, you're with your significant other, burn seven hours of your life on Tiger King and you will not regret it. And Colton is a liar. So uh, I, I was kind of, I was just waiting for the big, you know, the big crime, the big murder. And it just never happened after every episode. I was like, okay, it's going to be the next one. It's going to be the next one. It never happened. That there's so many gems in that show. So many gems. <laughs> I um, mean, the, the characters are nuts. From Carol, like, 100% killing her husband to actually, no, she did not. Um, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that was not a, you know, she may, maybe possibly it, it's definitely possible, but did not. Um, I don't want Craig Wright coming after me, uh, <laughs> or, or, uh, just the, the crazy people in that show. Uh, man, it was, uh, it was something special, but yeah, you know, uh, there's, there's obviously a lot of other things going on in the world besides Tiger King, but if you're looking for a little distraction, that's uh, a way to go. But <laughs> I think we can just kick off this week's episode with uh something else that got a ton of buzz uh that was not on netflix and that was coin market caps acquisition uh and unless you were living under a rock on crypto twitter or on coindesk or wherever uh, i think the block actually broke this news and it is that binance is is buying coin market cap for 400 million dollars and there was a ton of people um a ton of people that were basically like either ripping the acquisition or being like, ha ha, why did you spend $400 million on coin market cap? Uh, but I, I think my first thought on this is that good for the dude that started coin market cap. Cause while yeah. coin market cap has its issues, like there is fake volume galore as far as like actually tracking. If you're like a professional trader and you want like actual data to track using coin market cap would be like just suicide. Um, but it was started by a dude in his apartment that was in not so far from me. He was in Queens, a Long Island city, Queens. Started his, started Coin Market Cap there, completely bootstrapped, um, and now exited for four hundred million dollars after bringing in. I think it was rumored to be like I don't know, it was like thirty to sixty million dollars a year, something in that range. So good for that dude, first of all. Yeah, um, that's a big win. Big win for that guy. <clears throat> Shout out to that guy. Uh, I'm sure he's going to buy an island somewhere. But sure. I mean, overall, a um, lot of chatter on Twitter on this. Me personally, I don't know. I, you know, maybe from a big macro perspective for the space, you know, it's good when when companies, um, you know, acquire companies like this. Uh, you know, you'd think it'd be a good thing. I, I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's great. Um, no disrespect to to Binance, but I don't think it's great just because, you know, coin market cap, a good kind of a middle of the road independent listing site. Um, and when you have an, a company or an exchange like Binance, um, you worry about them, you know, having their their biases attached to to that website now. So, yeah. you know, that's my first thought. I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the concern for a lot of people. Number one is like, Binance wielding like un unnecessary influence. I mean, Binance is also, I mean, already super huge. Um, I think the one thing that's kind of interesting though, when you look at it, because people are like, 
why would Binance spend $400 million on a site that they could probably build themselves fairly easily or acquire a different smaller site that is probably better? Like there are, I, I think one could definitely say there are multiple sites, at least off the top of my head. Like I like Masari on chain FX better than, uh, better than coin market cap coin gecko. It yeah. can be better than coin market cap in a lot of respects. Nomics can be better than coin market cap coin, coin metrics. metrics. Yep. There are like multiple data providers out there that are, I think trusted by professional investors. Uh, so why would like, why would Binance do this? I think the big thing is just SEO and yeah, like brand value, even though a lot of people don't like it. But like when you think about coin market cap, if you're a retail trader, where's the first place you're going to go? Coin market cap. Like where is the place of discovery for cryptocurrency? What it, it serves a simple purpose. Is the number going up or is the number going down? Yeah. And they're just their SEO and the amount of traffic they get. I'm sure Binance is smart enough to convert that and have that acquisition at some point in time pay for itself, which I think is kind of the big thing. Yeah, it was uh, it was like over 200 million, I think, um, visitors on the site in the last six months. It was Larry Cermak put out a tweet on that. Yeah, uh, that's huge. Uh, and even back in 2017, during the massive bull run, everybody was going to Coin Market Cap. Like that's where you found um, if number was going games, up. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I think that's huge. And like I said, you know, I mean, CZ, he's he's commonly known as a big as pretty big shill for BNB and just kind of finance products. And it, sometimes it comes off um, a little bit biased, but overall, um, I'll be interested to see uh, how that transition goes in the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, totally. And I think segueing off that too, um, I mean, this was, I think, tied for the largest acquisition so far in the crypto world. And when we're looking at, at M&A right now, mergers and acquisitions, um, it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of this stuff starts panning out. Uh, this is $400 million. I think Poloniex was $400 million. That did not turn out very well for Circle at all. Um, will this you know, be something that turns out well? I think Poloniex was clearly on the downturn when Circle bought it um, mm -hmm. and had to kind of sell it later for pennies on the dollar. But um, going to that point, there was an article recently, I'll post it in the YouTube and podcast description, but talked about VC activity in the in the crypto world. Uh, and it was called Open for Business. And I thought it was a really solid discussion, solid article on, on just what's happening in the crypto space right now, specifically around being business as usual. A lot of people, a lot of VCs in the crypto world are talking about, you know, it's, it's business as usual, it's fine. Uh, but somebody from a venture firm kind of broke down the numbers. And while you actually saw the amount of funds raised was was pretty high in Q1 of, of 2020. So last quarter, number one, we'll see what happens in the next quarter that started today, April 1st. Um, but you saw what you might consider like a flight to mid-stage or later stage companies and a flight to quality. Um, the number of, of seed round fundings was down way, way uh, was down super hard in 2018. There were 138 seed, uh, I guess, seed investments in 2019 was 99. Uh, so far in uh, 2020 and in Q1, it was uh, 34. And if you look again at Series A, it was 33 in 2019. So far uh, in 2020, it's it's only 20. So you're starting to see kind of a flight to a flight to these larger stage companies because if you look at the series B investments 
2018, there was only six. 2019, there were six. So far in 2020, you have 11, um, which is which is kind of interesting because I think it also might lend itself a little bit to the to the M&A kind of side of the house where you're having these smaller companies that are going to be struggling to raise rounds. Um, and you might start seeing some consolidation by these larger companies that actually have the cash, like the Binance's of the world, the Coinbase's of the world. Uh, and it'll be interesting to watch this all pan out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, let's let's break this down a little bit, like what that, what the implications might be. So it sounds like from the data, VCs are being more selective on the early stage, uh, mm -hmm. Series A or seed round stuff. Um, they're they're not really taking as many chances. So what does that mean for for these startups that are that are in the early stage that you know they they may have great products, great teams. You know, what does that mean for them? That means they really, they really got to focus on their products and and not just push something out that's good. They got to push something out that's great to attract the right VCs, um, which ultimately I think is is really bullish for the space. Um, I think the the strong will survive, uh, and you know, in that sense. And going back to, I think this could be like the final weeding out of the the 2017 scammers that didn't have great products. They raised a ton of money. I think you know three years later they've burned through a ton of cash and and they're just not, they're not going to have the the runway to make it through a time period like this and hopefully that means that the good products the good companies the good teams will survive. Yeah, there's there's definitely a concentration of of quality right now and I think you're you're seeing that and it's also uh, I think people are realizing that doing an ICO for like Banana Coin um, is is not <laughs> something that's worth you know angel or, or seed round investments. Uh, and, and you're starting to see like less, you're, you're seeing less early state. You're, you're seeing less companies that are being founded in the space, quite frankly. Um, I think because either people have gotten somewhat disillusioned with the space or they realize maybe there's, there's only so many ways that they can actually make money, uh, in the industry or that like the big decentralized dreams that they might've had might not be panning out. So you're, I think you're seeing less. Uh, early stage entrepreneurs kind of getting into the fold. But then I think what's also going to be really interesting is kind of like you said, uh, some of the holdovers from the 2017 timeframe, but also the companies that maybe raised a series A and are trying to kind of get to that next round. Those companies are really going to have to prove um, mm -hmm. that they're capable of of bringing on customers and creating a good product. Otherwise, uh, those folks are are probably going to be spinning their wheels trying to raise another round. So it's going to be, I think it could be tough sledding for for those types of of uh, of companies as as the crypto world I think gets smarter about what's possible, but also as basically the entire world is has stopped spinning in in March and what looks like April as well. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to have to get creative too um, with when it comes to selling. I I want to use an mm -hmm. example. Ryan Selkis was on Twitter. Yesterday, I think he, he kind of used the the Binance and Coin Market Cap acquisition as this kind of mini PR opportunity okay. and yeah. uh, for himself and for for Masari. So he he quote tweeted um, the headline and and um, tweeted at Brian Armstrong and he was yeah. like, "Hey, you up?" <laughs> and, and then I think some anonymous Twitter account tagged like the CEO of of um, Bitfinex and uh, Bitmax, Arthur Hayes, yeah. and then someone else tagged Jesse Powell, and so in, in five minutes you had all all three of these CEOs uh, in the same tagline or in the same thread. And then Ryan was like, hey, um, you know, I've got this company here, a data company, who wants to chat? And sure enough, the, the CEO of um, Bitfinex, Paolo Adrino, he got back to me he was like, hey, just followed you, hit me up on a DM. 
Like that, that's creative, you know, and that, that's yeah. cool. We'll, we'll see how that all pans out, but right. It's <laughs> still like, I thought it was Bit, funny. Bitfinex you know? is always known as the, the, the center of transparency and data. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 73 cents on the dollar or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, looking at, at kind of how the, the world is moving right now, too, we figured you know, we're going to start introducing some new segments on the show, especially now that it's not just me talking, which is great. I love it. Um, love not just talking to the camera as much as I love the sound of my own voice. It's fantastic not to have to do that. <laughs> um, and just with that, like, I think one of the first segments we're doing, I mean, I'm in New York, Colton's in San Francisco. We're basically both stuck in isolation for I think until eternity at this point in time. Um, although luckily I think on the bright side, uh, you know, proof of talent is a desk job and we can do it completely, completely remotely. So all the complaints are the definite first definition of first world problems. Like there is no, there's no greater definition right now. First world problems nope. than being stuck inside and your sacrifices is having to watch tiger King on Saturday for seven <laughs> hours a day, which I'm not complaining about. It was great. I love it. Um, <laughs> so our our first segment is is going to be first world problems and it's just what do you miss most during quarantine and there's there's a couple things that are coming up and this might have to be a weekly occurrence because there's there's a lot that's going on right now um and if this was september and we were here i would be saying the nfl and the jets breaking my heart on sunday would would be what i'd miss most but mm. hopefully this will all be sorted out by then if not we're in trouble uh but right now i think what i miss most or what i'm going to be missing most uh is just being able to get a haircut because i'm wearing a hat right now for a reason my hair is getting out of control uh my girlfriend uh, wants to cut my hair. I, I don't I don't trust that. Uh, I think I'd rather just turn it into an afro. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to be at at this point in time. But I am very much missing the the option to actually have a professional haircut at at any point in time. This is it's just out the window. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd pay for a supercuts haircut right now. I would. I'd pay I'd pay good money for that. But uh, I don't even have clippers here. I would not. So <laughs> I, I don't have clippers. Like I, I can't, you know, like actual good hair clippers. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be pretty. So I'm just I'm growing it out. I'm letting it flow. Okay. I'm I'm just gonna let the the beard roll too. Just uh right. grow it out. I, I have I have hair clippers from from the beard. I bought like a I don't know, like seventy five dollar razor and brought the beard down a little bit because it was getting a little bit getting a little bit bushy and now my hair is like, Oh my God. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, if you're, if you're at home right now, if you're on YouTube, if you're on, if you're on Twitter, listening on the podcast, let us know your, what you're missing the most during quarantine first world problems, because obviously there are second and third world problems that are a lot steeper than not being able to get a haircut. True. But, um, yeah, let, let me know what you're missing most. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to miss right now being stuck inside, but, uh, you know what life goes yeah. on and we're, we're here. We're here. First world problems. We're complaining. I think my biggest one is I, a, a cold draft beer from a, a divey bar. You know, I mean, there's something about it. Just, I don't know if it's the ambiance or whatever. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it. You know, I have to settle for a bottle of beer uh, or maybe a Bud Light or something, but that's what we're, that's what uh, we're doing right now. Well, that's what I'm doing. It's, it's still three 30. Yeah. Still still <laughs> But I miss, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back out there, having a nice cold beer. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, a, I'm going to be super pumped by the time yeah. that happens. First I have problem. to buy a kegerator before then. Not a bad <laughs> um, idea. No, no. But getting back to, getting back to the world of crypto now, um, 
you know, March, it's April 1st right now. Uh, I, I don't want to see your toilet paper coin April Fool's jokes. I'm sorry. I don't care. Uh, but March was a big month in just the, the, the regular markets, in the crypto markets in general. My 401k, it hurts. It hurts really bad. I don't like looking at it. But but looking at crypto, you know, obviously the, the big day or the big time this month was kind of early mid-March uh, when, when BitMEX just went kaboom. And you saw some really strong, uh, I think, shakiness at the core of the crypto markets. And you kind of see how fragile everything is uh, in times of, of increased volatility. When we have markets that aren't like the New York Stock Exchange, that have circuit breakers when you go down 7%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to see what happens there and just kind of the, the overall panic. But on the flip side, we've also seen Coinbase come out with some interesting research recently about massive influxes in the actual fiat and crypto deposits on the site as far as like the crypto deposits go i don't really know i don't know what to to kind of think about that because that could be somebody sending in their big like let's say you know they they said they had 1.3 billion dollars in crypto that came Mm -hmm. uh, into the site during like the was a black thursday or whatever we're calling it at this point in time the great liquidation yes the 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 great death of bitmax um whatever it was but um you know 1.3 billion dollars in crypto and fiat were deposited which was like 5x what it was daily um and that sounds awesome at surface level. And I thought like, oh my God, that's crazy. That's awesome. People are buying the dip. But at the same point in time, that could very much be somebody taking Bitcoin from their ledger and sending that to Coinbase being like, holy hell, the world's ending. I need to sell, sell, sell. On the mm-hmm. flip side, I used Cash App and bought a bunch of, well, a good amount of Bitcoin um, at like 5,500. And I also was super lucky in snacks on that day at like 4,800 um, that I'm just still going to hold on to for, for dear life. But that was, uh, I think the research that Coinbase published was was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. You know, the way they positioned it, um, you know, they, it sounds like they think that the retail really stepped up and, and bought the dip. If you talk to serious traders, they'll probably say retail doesn't ever move markets, which, you know, I, I pretty much agree with. You know, it's mostly whales moving the, the market around in crypto. But I will say, I think the implications of that or um, you know, sixty percent, sixty percent of those orders typically on, on a daily average, I think, uh, are buy orders for for mm-hmm. for Coinbase, and that that was up to about sixty percent of orders were buy orders. Um, you know, in those couple of days, it was a uh, an increase there, and you know, it just I think the core like kind of hodler, you know, mentality. It, you know, a lot of the people that are in crypto, I think they bought the dip. I think it's simple as that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the money kind of went from weak hands to strong hands in that big liquidation and if the market's ready to, to move, uh, in an upward direction now after a little bit of consolidation here in these last couple of weeks. Yeah. The, I mean, so I, I have like a couple, I guess, different thoughts too, because yeah. I, I feel like retail in general, like if you are still in crypto right now as a like quote unquote retail trader or a retail holder, you most like the majority of those folks, I'm sure, got in 2017, maybe early 2018. Uh, and you've been holding through like thick and thin for two plus years at this point, like close to three years. Um, you know, in some cases, three plus years for the people that are earlier. But like you've seen it all. You've seen the 80% drop downs. You've seen the down 50% days. Um, you've seen the up days. But like those types of people, uh, I have a hard time seeing them really capitulating at this point right um 
I mean, if we all of a sudden drop from six thousand to a thousand dollars, yeah, I, I think there there will be kind of a, a new fresh round of capitulation. But like, you have a, I think, a pretty hardened group of of holders. It's it's what happens, I think, on the like the quote unquote institutional or professional investor side that you know there are many people that are running to cash right now, um, and it's mm-hmm. it is it's still hilarious to me that you know, the U.S. is printing so much money and all these. You know, all these central banks are printing so much money, but like the safest place to be is still cash. Like no matter what you want to say about inflation or, uh, you know, just devaluing currency, that's where that's where investors want to be right now. They're they're right. selling Bitcoin to get to cash or to Tether or whatever, but they're selling Bitcoin to get to cash. They're selling stocks to get to cash. They're selling bonds to get to cash. They're selling treasuries to get. It's It's like everything is just or at least in March so far. And I think we'll probably continue to see that maybe in April because I think the worst is yet to come in the United States for the whole coronavirus situation. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's funny, cash is still king uh, and that hasn't changed. And we're seeing that play out uh, in all markets. And Bitcoin is not, um, you know, an immune to that. Uh, but I will say, you know, I'm impressed with the amount of buy pressure and there wasn't, on March 12th and 13th, the following days. Also to end the month, we ended the month yesterday and there was a, I think the monthly candle closed, um, what above 64, 6,400, which a lot of people would say that was a a bullish close to the month. So to think that we went down to what 3,800 at the low, and then a couple of weeks later finish above 6,400. I mean, that's a lot of buying pressure. Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how like all the stimulus kind of plays out and plays into the market, because I don't think we've seen all of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we really, we, we've seen kind of the plans enacted, but we haven't seen them actually implemented yet. So, you know, there's, there's talks about the stimulus checks or in the U S it's whatever, $1,200 a person one time, which isn't all that much. And places what are you gonna, in Europe, what are you going to spend your $1,200 on? I think you have to make under 75 K. So I, uh, <laughs> Oh, don't, right. don't, oh. don't want to brag, but, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I, you know, not is that brag, combined with your spouse's salary or, uh, I, th- no, I, I think that <laughs> I think it is, um, I, I actually don't know what the, the number is with your spouse, Yeah, I don't know. but, either. but going to that too, I mean, on the stimulus, like the one thing that's kind of interesting right now, I mean, there's a bunch of things that are enacted for small businesses, proof talent, mm. small business. Uh, there is a, like one of the big things is called the care act. And there's this payment, uh, paycheck protection program, which is basically a forgivable loan that the government will provide you if you continue to pay your employees, um, which is kind of like kind of sweet actually. So that's, I mean, there, there's a lot of people ripping all the stimulus stuff, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what, if this can use me, you know, if I can use this stuff. And this helps me out. Hey, you know, why, why, why not yeah. check it out? Why not see what's happening? So, you know, if the government's going to give out free cash or, or interest-free loans or basically interest, interest-free loans. Right. I'll, I'll take some. And thanks in advance for continuing to pay me, Rob. <clears throat> Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the Colton pay, payment, uh, payroll protection plan. So uh, we'll, <laughs> basically, um, but yeah, you know, g- getting to that point too. So, the crypto markets in general, obviously, Colton and I, it's just like our, it's, our, it's our job to to just keep an eye on just the news and what's happening in the industry. Um, 
but I think for a lot of people too. So number one, obviously Proof Talent is, is a recruiting firm that works with, with companies in the blockchain and crypto industry. Uh, we work with like 20 different companies throughout the US, really just primarily US-based right now. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that are interviewing for jobs. Um, just be, like I spent a ton of time on LinkedIn for, for better, for worse. And you see a lot of layoffs and I'm starting to see a lot of like, you know, just really tough times for people. Um, and so I think one of the kind of the finishing segments for us too, is, is just doing a, a quick like job interview tip as well. Um, and this, uh, you know, I think is applicable for anybody that is interviewing for, for, you know, for companies in the blockchain and crypto world, which is probably if you're listening, but also you might be listening and not in, you know, not actually work in the blockchain and crypto space, but maybe got laid off or maybe you're looking for a new gig. Um, so yeah, you know, figured we could just do this quick job interview tip, each of us. And, uh, you know, for me, the job interview tip that I would have, and this is something that like, we, we always get feedback from, from hiring managers. That's what we do is we, we have job candidates. We hook them up with, with interview, basically hiring managers. And we always get feedback on both ends. And one, one thing that is one of the easiest things that you can do as a candidate, if you're interviewing is just to go into an interview with like five questions beforehand. Um, just basic things, but go into an interview with questions about the job or about the company or about the role, about anything. Um, because you've been on a job interview 50 plus percent of the time, you're going to get to the end of the interview and the interviewer is going to say, okay, do you have any questions for me? I can't tell you how many times somebody's just said, no, you know, I, I think we, we covered it all. Like the worst thing you could possibly do when you're interviewing for yes. a job is to just be like, no, yeah, I don't have any questions. Like it just shows that you're not that interested. And sometimes you are interested, but you're, you just went through an hour long interview and your brain's fried. The easiest thing you do, just have a notepad in front of you, especially because interviews now are probably going to be on zoom. Just have it written down so you can say, okay, my brain is fried. This, this guy or gal just asked me a question, but I can just look down and be like, okay, like here, here are the questions that I had and you can ask them and interact and you're going to impress the person like nine times out of 10, I would bet. Yeah. Not a lot of effort there. Um, and it, it, like you said, it always comes up at the end of the interview. Um, another easy thing to do, um, and this kind of, um, hopefully we'll go without saying, but do some research on, on the company and not only the company, but the person that you're talking to, um, you know, check out their LinkedIn. Um, and, and another helpful tip is connect with them on LinkedIn prior to the conversation, send them a note. Um, you know, I, it's not, it's not creepy at all. Connect with them. So be like, Hey, looking forward to, to the, a conversation later. Um, do a little research on them, understand where they came from. Uh, and, uh, you know, same with the company, do a little research, uh, just as far as, you know, where the HQ is, what their product is. Uh, maybe they offer a couple different products. Um, and, maybe a little bit about, um, you know, how long the company's been around, just high level stuff. You don't have to be an expert by any means, but these little things are what hiring managers pick up on. And it's honestly what they, what they dig into. That's what they want to know. They want to know yeah. if the effort is there. These are the things you can control. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a great point. Like it's, it's, it's all about preparation. I mean, everything mm -hmm. in life is preparation, but, uh, especially in a job interview, you can make your life so much easier and you just sound so much more impressive to people when you go and prepare, like your background could be great, can, cannot be great. But if you go in and you know your shit beforehand, people are going to think you're so much smarter than you actually are. 
And in the case of myself, when you're not that smart, you have to prepare and then you know you're good to right. go. Right. Oh, and there's another one with uh, with Zoom, a lot of Zoom interviews going on these days. You can, uh, in the settings on Zoom, there's a, a, a touch up button that you can ch- a toggle. You can check that box where it, it touches up your screen, enhances your color. You know, for ugly guys like us, we can, you know, touch <laughs> I, up our screens. I'm not and... doing that right now and I can probably use that. So, <laughs> yeah, same. No, look at me. I'm touched up. Do I look touched up? You know, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But another little useful hack. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I feel like we're gonna just in the in the future episodes, we're gonna finish off with these job interview tips, especially now. Uh, but I mean, for us, really, with these episodes, I think the big thing is we just want to touch on what's happening kind of in the, in the week or in the day to day in the crypto world, just kind of overall topical things. But definitely want to tie things back to you know what we do day to day, which is running a recruiting firm in the blockchain and crypto industry. So. You know, yes, we obviously have a chance to, to see the macro of things and we get a chance to work with a lot of companies, which is awesome and we enjoy that. But we also get to look at the micro of of different conversations with job seekers and, and hiring managers in the industry. And so hopefully that can provide just a unique perspective because you know, there's a lot of people that talk about number go up every day and you know, looking at golden crosses and just, you know, ridiculous things that I don't know. It's in the long term, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. But mm-hmm. when you have a chance to talk to, I think, unique people every single day like we do, it, it can lend kind of an interesting perspective. So hopefully we'll, we'll keep that rolling. Um, if you're listening on, on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment uh, as far as just your thoughts on the episode. And if you you know have any future ideas for segments or want us to touch on anything, but again, make sure to sound off on your first world problem. What do you miss most during quarantine? Um, <laughs> And if you're on Twitter too, or you're listening on the podcast, hit us up on Twitter. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to be back for another episode. Colton, I appreciate the time as always. Absolutely. Looking forward to next week already. Take it easy, everybody. Peace.